Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 30, I'm talking to Dustin Corbett. He and his wife, Mai, own the Chocolate Inn and Cafe in Beattyville, Kentucky. You don't know where Beattyville is? Well, Beattyville is in Eastern Kentucky, right in the heart of Appalachia. I had the opportunity to stay at the Chocolat Inn with my family this past summer. We actually have some extended family that live in the neighboring town of Boonville. I am not going to lie, I was excited to see my family, but I was a little wary of spending our family time in Appalachia. I mean, isn't it just poverty and trailers and hollers? Well. I was reminded again, of course, that stereotypes are really never a useful thing to lean into. As soon as we arrived at the inn, I was struck by the beauty of the area. I was also struck by the isolation. I guess I knew it would be isolated, but the area is not near what I would call a major highway. Large stores that I'm accustomed to are at least a half hour to 45 minute drive away. So when the inn and Dustin and Mai's hospitality were so welcoming. I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. And I wish I could tell you that I went open and joyful as we drove all the windy roads into Appalachia, but I had to remind myself to take the middle seat for sure. And during our stay, we ended up chatting with Dustin a few times, and I heard him say he grew up in that area, and then left and traveled around the world, and then ended up back in Beattyville, and I was so intrigued by that story, I asked him to chat with me, because I knew he had wisdom to share, both about his area of the world, and about how our perspectives shift as we move through life. And I was right. I loved our conversation. Dustin talked all about the joys and challenges of owning a small business in his area. He talks about the complexity and culture of the area. He talks about feeling the pull to leave Appalachia when he was young and then finding himself back there putting down roots with his wife. So I hope this interview reminds you to always listen for nuance. Be aware of complexity and history and believe the lived experience of people and don't let the complicated nature of different experiences allow you to avoid taking the middle seat it's just never too hard to listen sometimes we make it hard but we can't lean on that i also hope this interview makes you want to follow dustin and mai as they continue to grow the chocolate in and cafe I secretly, maybe not so secretly, hope they ship their homemade chocolate someday because I would order some in a hot minute. Until then, you can stay with them at the inn for chocolate making workshops, amazing food, and incredible hospitality. 
They greeted us with truffles when we arrived, you guys. My kids proudly wear their chocolate in t-shirts, so we're representing all the way up here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, and also, if you're into a kooky festival, which I am always, Beattyville is home to the Wooly Worm Festival. I think it's in September, and there's a parade, and a queen, and Wooly Worm races, and Wooly Worm merch. It is like quirky festival heaven. All of these little tidbits that I'm telling you about, including the Wooly Worm Festival website, Dustin and Mai's website for the inn, other items of interest around the area, including my favorite restaurant we ate at, all of that is linked in the show notes. You guessed it. So head over there and explore. Okay, it's time for my interview with Dustin Corbett. Dustin, thank you so much for coming and taking the middle seat. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Um, so my family and I, I'm just going to tell the listeners a little bit about how your path crossed mine um, before we get into it. So my family and I, um, we tend to go on kind of off the beaten path um, family vacations anyways, but we were visiting our extended family in your neck of the woods um, and we stayed at your inn and I just fell in love with your inn and your story. Um, and I, I think it made me confront a lot of my misconceptions about, um, your area of the world. And I just thought it'd be so cool to connect again and hear more about your story and tell people about how we're, you know, we're probably wrong about a lot of things. Um, in the Appalachia region. And am I saying that right? Is it Appalachia? Yeah, I mean, we say Appalachia. Okay, perfect. Appalachia. Um, so I'm just so grateful that you were willing to come on my podcast um, and have a little conversation with me. So let's start out with, um, tell people a little bit about the inn and kind of what you're doing right now and where you're located and a little bit about the region. All right. Uh, so we're located in eastern Kentucky, a little town called Beattyville. Um, it's not too far from a state park, a natural bridge state park. Um, there's a Red River Gorge area. It's surrounded by the Daniel Boone National Forest and the uh, birthplace of the Kentucky River. So as you can imagine there, it's surrounded by nature, all nature. Yeah. Um, bit in the middle of nowhere because of that if you yeah. consider somewhere where people are uh, so yeah different area yeah it's gorgeous I mean just so beautiful um and it is yeah if I you know we live in a city not a huge city but a city in Michigan um and it does feel for someone that is normally located in a city kind of off the beaten path, but that's really nice. And what a lot of people are looking for, obviously when they're going vacationing is a whole different type of um, landscape and atmosphere. Do you feel like you get mostly people that are kind of outdoorsy seeking that nature experience that come and stay with you or what brings people to you? At the moment, cause we're still new. Um, Hopefully this year will be the year that we take the, the bigger plunge on advertising and mm -hmm. networking and getting ourselves out there more. Last year we were still doing a lot of renovations, so we weren't able to do all that. Um, so gauging it just on what has came, because um, 
despite not having much advertising. We have some tourists that come to the area. We have business travelers that come to the area. And then we have folks like yourself coming to the area to visit family. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, the visitors that we've seen so far, it seems like Indiana, Michigan, Ohio. Those are kind of the top three states. Um, then we have some in the western part of the state. We also have a prison that reopened in Beattyville. So from time to time. We can get trainers or we can get people who are visiting family um, in prison. Okay. Interesting. Okay. It's just kind of a a hodgepodge at the moment. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of nice. You kind of want that mix, I would imagine. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, Because you have all different types of people, um, regardless of why they're coming, they're lodging some people have different uh, expectations for their lodging and yeah. we fit a different category than just a regular motel. Yeah. And, but we're not so far away like a cabin would be. So we're kind of an, a nice little mix. Absolutely. About all types. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I mentioned, kind of having my stereotype and what I was anticipating when I came, just to be 100% honest, my family, my in-law, sister-in-law and brother-in-law and my nieces moved to an adjacent town to you, Boonville, um, because my brother-in-law is a pastor at a church there and they um, were kind of appointed to that church and they wanted to be in that area of the United States, but um, nonetheless got got appointed there. So we were visiting them um, and I was kind of thinking like, we'll just do this for them. Like this is, you know, we're going to take one for the team and go in the middle of nowhere and and visit them. And it's going to be, and I, you guys, this, this inn is, just so incredible. We felt so well taken care of and your food is bonkers. Um, so they feed you breakfast every morning and in this cool little cafe and you guys happened to be closed when we were there, but made us gorgeous breakfast every morning. It was just so wonderful. So you guys should brag all day long about your cool little kind of gem in, um, in Beattyville. It's so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we we want to to do something different. And I understand your concerns about the area. We actually had somebody call a couple days ago from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And he was asking, so this is my first time coming to Eastern Kentucky. What Mm -hmm. can I expect? And all the stereotypical things that he was asking. Yeah. If he goes down the river and he hears banjos, should he, you know, run away? <laughs> like, yes. Um, and they, uh, basically all I can tell him is people here have a different culture, but mm-hmm. it's a very welcoming culture, but they have their, their things that they protect. So they don't like people trespassing on their property. Yep. I told him if you go on someone's property without an invitation, you're asking for trouble. Yep. But then, I, then again, if you're invited, you could expect dinner. I mean, cause yeah. the hospitality would be great. It's just a different culture. I grew up here. Um, my family's from Indiana. I didn't exactly match the culture here. Uh-huh. So I struggled with it growing up. Um, I didn't actually, I didn't mesh very well with it. I wanted to move, um, go to a bigger city, you know, be around some diversity and some, you know, different things. 
So that was my plan. Yeah. I came back here with a whole different perspective, though, after I grew up. Um, I was seeing all the negativity when I was younger. I was just looking for the things I didn't like. Yeah. I didn't see the beautiful nature. I didn't see, I didn't understand the world because I was just a kid. Now that I'm an adult, I can, I can see different things of importance. Um, so this area is a lot different to me now that I'm older. So I respect it a lot more. How did you know, if you're willing to talk about this, how did you know when you were a kid growing up, like what parts of you were kind of bristling against your surroundings? Like what made you think, gosh, I just want to get out of here and see the world? Everybody was interested in the same things and I wasn't really interested in any of those things. I didn't okay. really care about hunting and fishing. I wasn't an outdoors type person. Mm -hmm. I liked modern things. I liked... Uh, things that the city offers I like different types of food. I want to meet different people with different backgrounds and learn different things. And about none of that was here. Um, so I felt trapped and, mm -hmm. you know, as a kid, you just want to go out and do things kind of anyway. Yeah. And that was the one thing I wanted to do. Um, I focused a lot on what I wanted my career to be and I wanted to be in broadcasting. I want to be a journalist. So I went to school to do that, got my degree, got out of school, started doing that. So I started, I was more career oriented when I was younger until I learned that that's not the career I wanted. Uh -huh. Then I kind of got lost. So that's what took me to Japan was trying to kind of find myself. Okay. Yeah. It's like an adventure. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was out of school that I could really jump and kind of do the things I've always kind of wanted to do. I guess it took a while to build up the courage and I didn't have a real reason to take a jump like that if I was focused more on career. Mm -hmm. um, but after I wasn't, that's all that I had. Mm -hmm. So I just jumped. Yeah. And I think that's such a common story for, for young people, no matter where they're from. Um, you know, it just illustrates you could be from, the middle of Appalachia or, you know, New York city, and you're still going to have kids growing up thinking this is not where I want to be. And you have to kind of go out and figure it, figure things out. And, um, and a lot of us do that and then end up right back where we started, um, yep. myself included. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's just a kind of a normal trajectory. You get kind of a, a different lens to look at where you grew up and a different appreciation. So I, yeah, I think that's a thread that combines, um, all of us. It, it wasn't until I was on my wedding slash honeymoon that I realized um, that Beattyville or Eastern Kentucky, there might be more to it than what I gave it credit for. Um, I was in a place called Palau. It's in Micronesia. Okay. Um, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful island, like a Fiji type island. And all the locals on the island, all they would talk about is, I have to get off this island. I have to get away from here. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're in heaven. This is paradise. Why would you want to leave? You don't have any busyness bothering you. You have beautiful nature. It's so peaceful. Like everything you could possibly want other than an occasional super rain shower is right here. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I thought maybe, maybe I'm taking the wrong approach on things because I can't see what they're seeing. So maybe... I couldn't understand, you know, deep down inside 
you know, the reality of the situation in Eastern Kentucky. Now the culture is still the culture and I still don't mess very well, mesh that great with it. Um, but it's not the same as before because I'm yeah. an adult now. Things are different. So, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That experience in, in VG where, you know, no matter what kind of perceived paradise people are in, they're like, but what else is out there? That's so, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and you met your wife in Japan, Mai. Yes. yes. Um, and she, so I don't know what my curiosity is, but how, so you guys came back to Eastern Kentucky. Have you found your kind of support system or people that do mesh well with you and kind of, you know, see you and hear you for who you are, both of you in that area? Some. Um, yeah. We've been so busy yeah. that it's really hard to to know. I mean, we have friends and some of our friends are small business owners or some of our friends have some of the same connections in a way. Um, it's either connected to Japan or, or some some facet is connected to us in some ways where we can relate and have conversations or vent to them about certain things we do have we do have that but we've just been so busy to really go hang out or feel like you know we have a life outside of the inn right now uh, yeah. there was a lot of building um going on a lot of prep a lot of sacrifice when you start a business like this uh, in the first few years if it's gonna work you gotta gotta really sacrifice a lot so we haven't really had the opportunity to really seek that. Um, on the other hand, we haven't really had a whole lot of people come to us and want to offer that. Yeah. Um, but that's just could be um, just a disconnect. There's a disconnect on certain things here about um, the reality of situations and whatnot. Yeah. Do, do you feel like the, your, small community there, like the people that are from there, the locals feel like, Oh, there's those kind of crazy kids opening up that inn, or are they like, yes, like these entrepreneurs making this area vibrant or, you know, not that it wasn't vibrant before, but you know what I mean? They're bringing new people to the area. What is the, what do you think the locals perceive of your venture? At first they thought I was crazy. Uh -huh. they, they probably, you know, have a right to think that because it's yeah. a bit of a different thing to do. Uh, they, I don't know. It's really hard to gauge what they want and what they think. The ones we see, of course, are the ones that come to our cafe and they're the ones that want to support us because they're coming to us. Yeah. But how many of those are we seeing compared to those that we aren't? I mean, mm -hmm. we're not seeing that many and there's a lot of people we don't see we know we don't see them um why i'm not sure do they want us to be here i can only assume that they would because we're making the place better right but i, I really don't know it's a really difficult thing when you're in a small town um the people their behavior is magnified because there's less of them so you, you don't really get a great census of are we all working together here or not? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
because you can mm -hmm. see both sides. You can see resistance and you can see acceptance. And but sure, yeah, I think we're all you know, if left to our own devices, many of us prefer the status quo just because it feels safer and normal and it's what we've always known. And um, any kind of change, good, bad, or otherwise, always it's change and change is hard. Yeah, yeah, I think from my experience being back somewhat if I, I don't know I try to understand people and why they do the things that they do and the connections and see because history does repeat itself if there's a way that I can figure out why it went this way maybe I can get it to go another way mm -hmm. so I'm trying to gauge how their reaction is and what I can do to help the area because that's part of our mission to of course we we want our business to be great but we want our business to help the town and help the area and because it, if we all flourish it's much better so trying to figure out what they want and how they want to accomplish these goals um i think it takes them longer to accept things uh -huh. I, I don't want to think anything negative about how they perceive businesses coming into the area or anything i don't want to think about it being jealousy or, or anything like that so i, I try to take a different route and I think a lot of it is not understanding certain things of how processes work and mm -hmm. I think there's some reluctance to want to celebrate things if they feel like it's only going to last a short time sure um, we have a lot of places that come and go and maybe they feel like if they get used to this place or they like this place and then a year later it's gone that might hurt them um, maybe they don't feel secure doing that. They don't want to go to these places until they feel like they're established, but you know, we need you here to establish our place, but they have a disconnect about that part of it. It's so it's confusing, but I think there is a, there's some correlation that I have to figure out. Um, yeah. Cause I don't think it would, I don't think it's malice. I don't think it's, well, I don't like those people. I'm not going to go there because we haven't really done anything to, to, have that effect right yeah and have they had um the your particular local area is there a lot of um like uh, for lack of a better word like mission work that comes in because i could see that also being just a historical kind of trauma where people mission groups come in and do something and then leave and then another one comes in and does something and leaves and so they may i don't know i totally correct me if i'm wrong have that same kind of view of businesses or any other kind of venture that comes in like you know this is a flash in the pan or it's only going to put a band-aid on something and then they're going to be gone and they don't really understand us anyways yeah that we do have we've had more in the past Okay. Mission work a lot. It's recently, not as much in my county, Lee County. Okay. Um, but it has been a big part of you know the recent future, Habitat for Humanity and um, different uh, churches that reach out and have groups come in and help with homes and help people. And then you have just government assistance with a lot of things here too. Mm -hmm. um, the culture the working culture and all the different, all the culture is different here, mm -hmm. um, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Um, I kind of relate it. I don't want to 
say I relate it to a third world country because that's not what I'm going for. But when I was in places like Vietnam and places uh, like Cambodia, where you, you can see a huge difference in culture based on region. Yeah. When I was in these areas, you could, if you know, I try to put myself in, in a different situation and try to understand their culture. If mm-hmm. I went into their culture and said, I don't like this. This is stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, these people are ignorant. Uh, that's the wrong approach because it's their culture. In, in, when we're talking about Vietnam and Cambodia, it's easy because it's their country. So, of course, you're going to expect a different culture because it's a different country. Mm-hmm. But Appalachia is a lot like that. It's a different region. It's mm-hmm. a different culture. You actually have to open your mind up to it. You can't look at it from afar and think that you're the same as the people here mm-hmm. and think that you're better than them because they do things a different way. Mm-hmm. That's the misconception. And that's the thing I realized a lot too when I traveled. I tried to make everything the same Yeah. when it's not. Um, and once you realize that, you can appreciate true culture. And yeah. Just because you do something a different way doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. And the beauty in that, you know, if you do get to that point where you can see it's a totally different culture, it's a different history, it's a different everything that, that, that is really um, something to be grateful for and not push against necessarily. And when I was there this summer, just the, um, so from my perspective, it's quite isolated. Um, And I was just in, you know, shops and restaurants and that kind of thing in that area. And I thought, well, of course, like, of course, there's misunderstandings, not just between people that don't live in Appalachia and people that live in Appalachia, but of course, there's misunderstandings in uh, among people in our country because we're so separate and, you know, Appalachia might be physically separate, but there are other things that, of course, you know, separate us in different ways. And there's nobody just kind of, it doesn't feel like anyway, nobody just going into these places. And like you said, just taking it for what it is, not bringing our own stuff with us, um, kind of bridging that gap, going, you know, driving the, the literal highways to get to places like Beattyville and Boonville and seeing what's there and not going because we have something to offer, but just going to see what's there and listen and experience. That's, that's true. And it, yeah. it is isolated. I mean, we are <laughs> surrounded by mountains here. It, yeah. it, but the isolation is part of the beauty. Yeah, um, for sure. But you have to understand that in an area that's isolated, it's just going to make the culture even more extreme. The differences yeah. will be extreme. And there'll be things that uh, this area could be behind on that, you know, later they'll realize that, you know, that was made probably the way to go. It just took them longer to get there. Yeah. When I was growing up, um, when I was younger, I always kind of made the joke that we're about, about 10 years behind. So any music playing on MTV is going to take us like 10 years to get or any <laughs> culture like yeah. you know, fashion. It's going to take 10 years to get here. Um, but the internet's opened that up now a little bit more, but yeah, you guys have took a while to get here. I'm sure people don't realize you have crazy fast internet. Can you talk a little bit about why? (laughs) Yeah. At our end, um, we have a gigabyte per second, uh, download speed on our internet. Uh, in one of the neighboring counties, they put in fiber 
and they've expanded to our county. So we're lucky enough to get really fast internet. And we wanted to provide that because we want to be a modern getaway. We, we understand that we're in the country and that is the beauty to come to the country, but we don't want to overwhelm you with country. If you're coming <laughs> from the city and you want to go back to your room and relax from being, you know, culture shocked. Yes. We can give you a modern getaway so you can go back and refresh and then go out the next day and do it again. Yeah, you absolutely do. It's awesome. So I want to respect your time, but I have a couple more questions. The oh. first one is, what do you love the most about either your work or your area or, you know, what do you just, what makes you fall in love with all those sacrifices and all the long hours and the hard work? Um, what makes you, what keeps you there and what lights you up? Yeah, it's being able to work with my wife is nice and yeah. having it be our own is really nice. We can, when you do business together, we have a small business, there's a lot of discipline that is needed and we probably still need to work on some of our discipline. Um, but to have your own thing and to put your blood, sweat and tears in something that is yours uh, is nice. Now there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that and you can't detach very well from it. Um, but it, it's yours. Um, so that is nice. And yeah, whatever we do and like it made an ex had an effect on you. You had an experience here. Um, and that's what we want. We want to host people and let them have an amazing experience. Um, however, they whatever they connect with that we offer um we just want to connect with people and have let them have a nice time I'm kind of struggling for the words here yeah but, i know what you mean <laughs> yeah. yeah you want to provide that experience and you you absolutely do what is um how did my fall in love with the area because i think you had told us when we were down there that you weren't necessarily expecting to stay there, but she really loved it and thought she could stay. Yeah, I thought for sure we would move. It had nothing to do with how I thought about the area, um, more so her and her opportunity. When we came back, we didn't have any ideas of having our own business. We really weren't financially capable of even considering that. Mm -hmm. So when we moved here, the plan was to move out west or somewhere that had more Asian culture, more opportunities for Japanese that uh, English was not that well at the time. It's mm -hmm. improved now or since then, but we needed to go somewhere where she had opportunity as well and where I had a bit more opportunities. So we figured be out west, um, but she fell in love with the place. Like she really liked the peacefulness and the nature um, that people were really nice to her. Um, she just really enjoyed it here. So I thought, well, before we go somewhere, maybe we should try it, do try doing something here. And then that's when all the other stuff happened. It just fell into place that we were able to do what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, so we just went with it and yeah, I are. never expected her to to like a place like this. She's from the second biggest city in Japan. So yeah. Kind of a city girl likes to go shopping and, you know, go to the mall and 
right? do those things. And there's not much of that around here. So no, you got to drive quite a ways for that. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. And her parents just visited, right? Yep. They're actually still here as I speak. Okay. They came in um, a little bit before Christmas and they're leaving next week. Okay. So they about six weeks they were here. Wow. And what did they we, think of it? They had been here before when we okay. first came and they uh, came again one time after that. And, but this is the first time they've ever been here since our renovations have been complete since we've opened the inn. Oh my gosh. They're probably blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're staying in the Japanese room, the Osaka suites. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they were impressed with with what we've done. And, and hopefully they'll get back next year and maybe be able to, to help us out with the business too. Oh, that's really cool. We should say that all of your rooms are um, themed by countries around the world. And my family and I stayed in East and West Berlin, which I thought was a hoot. And people that I told about it were like, you are kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yep. It was very cool. Yep. And we named the rooms after places that I've been because my experience traveling is what helped the journey of being able to do what I'm doing now. So we named them after places that I've been. There's pictures in most of the rooms that I've taken. I didn't have a picture that I've taken in the Berlin room. Those were paintings. Uh-huh. <laughs> But most of the other rooms, there's at least maybe one picture that I took when I was in that place. So what do you think is the, you know, most pervasive misconception that you hear about Beattyville or Appalachia and how, and, and dispel that for us? You know what I mean? So, you know, what do you hear that's like the most wrong about your place that you know about? And what do you want people to know that have never been there? I guess people have watched the movie Deliverance. Oh, right. Think that that's what this is. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Um, people here are really friendly. Yeah. And they'll help you in any way possible. Um, if you're from here or not, doesn't really matter if you're mm -hmm. respectful. Um, if you just come and you're rude, you have an attitude. Yeah, they're not. They're not gonna help you. They they mm -hmm. they take offense easily to certain things like that. But if you're smiling and you're nice and you're welcoming, they'll do anything for you. They'll. Mm -hmm. If, if you need to go somewhere, they'll take you somewhere. That's They're really nice people. Yeah. And I think you do have the, you know, the Southern hospitality culture that I guess more people probably think about Georgia or further south about that. I'm not sure. But that is a lot of it. It's not, you know, get off my land or I'm going to shoot you. It's It's really welcoming here. Yeah. Yeah. And I could feel it. I absolutely could. And I know my family did too. And the extended family that lives there absolutely feels that um, and they're not from there. So I think it's a really, um, 
it's just good. I think anytime we can get out of our own little bubbles and visit other people's bubbles <laughs> to dispel these exactly these kinds of um, stereotypes and misconceptions. Um, it just brings us all closer as humans. And I think that's important. Thank you so much for doing this. I just feel really honored to have found your in and heard, you know, heard your story. I feel really honored that you um, are willing to share with me. And I know people will not only visit, but I know that they're going to learn a lot from your perspective. So I'm just really grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad you had me. It was nice talking to you. All right. Have a great day, Dustin. Thanks. You too. So since recording the intro to this interview, I have gotten an awful illness of some kind. So that's my, why my voice is a little bit wonky. But I wanted to make sure I wrapped this up to get it out to you so you could be listening during this ice storm or wherever you are. After we wrapped the recorded interview, I kept chatting with Dustin for a bit, and he just kept doling out wisdom. He talked about even more of the complexities of the area and how staying there has had its benefits and its challenges. It all reminded me again how we have become such a divided country, and those divides seem large and difficult and frankly just too damn much to overcome. But whether those divides are geographical, technological, racial, cultural, political, or ideological, they are divides we have to work on. Can't get too tired or too bogged down in the complexity or the enormity. We have to keep working. And just like Dustin and Mai's journey, if the place or the relationship or the idea is worth it, we have to expect it to take a lot of listening, a lot of bridge building, and a lot of time. I have mentioned on other podcasts that I'm learning more and more that a muddy middle, middle ground isn't where we should be headed, but rather a table that invites everyone with their nuance and their lived experience to be heard. This may seem a little off topic from an interview about an inn, but I'm telling you, as I sat eating breakfast on the inn's back porch at a literal round table in the middle of Appalachia, I thought about what if I had a huge table? And people of vastly different experiences actually could come and sit together for no other purpose than understanding each other. We're not trying to work anything out. We're not trying to see some way to the middle. We're just listening to each other. Every person there would be in a middle seat, listening and learning. There would have to be magic there. Creating tables and spaces like this isn't a happy, clappy vision of the future. I think it's actually necessary. In fact, the only way forward. I so appreciate Dustin and I for their wisdom and for sharing their space and experience with me. I hope that they inspire you to think about creating a table that invites middle seat takers. And I hope they inspire you to give the Chocolate Inn and Cafe a try. I know that you'll love it. So until next time, I'll be wearing my Woolly Worm Festival sweatshirt always a conversation starter. I'll be trying to get better and I'll be back soon to take the middle seat. <laughs>